Recently, I was asked by a young member of our church a very good question. She asked, what does God look like? In Scripture, do, are we left with any indication as to what God looks like? Find out today on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host, yours truly, Brian Chilton. We thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Hope you're doing well. want to remind you that uh, if you are in the Yakinville, North Carolina area, uh, that Crosby Lane, uh, the ones who have graciously allowed us to use their theme song, they will be with us in concert coming up March 18th, 2018 at 6 p.m. there at Huntsville Baptist Church in Yakinville, North Carolina. Uh, if you have any questions concerning this or if you'd like to come join us, the admission is free. Uh, we, we will take up a love offering as we go through, but if you'd like to join us for this and we want in, more information about Huntsville Baptist Church, where we're located, uh, be sure to email me at brian, B-R-I-A-N, Chilton, C-H-I-L-T-O-N, at bellatorchristie.com. Shoot us an email if you're interested in attending. We'll give you all the uh, information on this event. But once again, that's March 18th uh, at 6 o'clock p.m. at Huntsville Baptist Church in Yakinville, North Carolina. And once again, you can email me at brianchilton at bellatorchristie.com, and we'll get you the information. Today we're going to talk about a very important topic. We want to talk about uh, what does God look like? And as I mentioned at the in the opening of the uh, podcast, I had a young lady who asked me this very question at church. And sometimes, you know, we are. Uh, you probably heard the funny story of this uh, little girl, uh, not the same girl, <laughs> but this little girl who was in kindergarten, first grade, somewhere along in there, and and her Sunday school teacher asked the class to draw a picture uh, depicting some someone or something of the Bible, and this little girl started drawing God. And, uh, and the teacher came up and asked her what she was drawing. And the little girl says, well, I'm drawing God. And, she, and the teacher said, uh, well, honey, no one knows what God looks like. And the little girl says, well, give me just a few minutes, and they will. And so, obviously, this funny little story uh, depicts and tells us how, uh, you know, a lot of people wonder about what God looks like. And many people have different opinions as, as, in this, as far as this goes. Um, but what we want to do is I am a biblicist. I, I 
put more emphasis on what the Bible actually says than opinions about the Bible. What I want to see is what does the Bible tell us about what God looks like. First of all, I want us to take a look at the character of God as we look at the God is statements of Scripture. There are four characteristics of God given to us uh, in Scripture itself by the words God is, relating some aspect of God. And then we're going to look at a description we see in Ezekiel and also in um, the book of Revelation concerning what God looks like. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 tells us that our God is a consuming fire. This is quoting a passage of scripture from Deuteronomy. But this is telling us the fact that God is a consuming fire. He's likened to fire. Uh, Fire is power. Fire is energy. And God is this living energy. Okay, He's personal living energy that exists. In in like manner, we're also told that uh, God is light. And I don't know if this is in the uh, the characteristics that we'll read or not, but if not, the Bible does tell us that God is light. And so God is the source of all things. Uh, in Him there is no darkness whatsoever. Uh, God is the source of all things. And this is what we find by Him being a consuming fire. First John 1 John 1.5 tells us this, that we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness found in Him. So that relates to both His power and to His moral purity. We also see in Psalm 7.11 that God is a righteous judge. Uh, God is not one who is bribed. God judges fairly. God judges the way things really are and according to what is right. We see that about God. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. And that means according to his, his moral uh, morality, you know, God has both free will. We see that. And we also see that God is in heaven, that he is uh, not... Uh, he is he, he is in earth, he is imminent, but he is also transcendent. We see that he is in heaven, meaning that he is separate from this universe. So God is not the universe, the universe is not God. God is in the universe, but God resides in heaven uh, as he is transcendent, separate from the universe. 1 Corinthians one twenty five said that uh, God is wiser than human wisdom. God's, so it says, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So we see that God is both all-wise, far wiser than we could ever be, and far stronger than we could ever imagine. So already we're getting a good depiction of God's attributes from the Scripture itself. Psalm 116.5 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. So we see that God is a compassionate God. He is loving. He is compassionate. He is kind. He extends His grace, actively pursuing, uh, even as uh, Dr. Gary Yates and, and his uh, class, his Hebrew class in, uh, at Liberty University uh, discovered that the verbs in, in Hebrew says that, that God is, is ever, ever seeking out to, to, to demonstrate His love and compassion to all those who would receive. 
Uh, we see, see in Psalm 73, one, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. So we see that he is good. He has goodness, especially to, the, to his children, to those who have who received his covenant relationship. Um, he is good in general, but that's just saying there's a special kinship uh, between God and those in this special relationship with him. Uh, God is holy, we see in Psalm 73, 13. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God. So we see that God is absolutely pure. He has an absolute, he's the absolute moral good, we see in Psalm 77. Job 36, 22 uh, says, Look, God shows himself exalted by his power, who is a teacher like him. Two things come out of this verse. One, that God is power. He is power personified. And we also see that he is the great teacher. There's no teacher like God. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, for, our, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Again, relating that God is power. Okay? Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. God is our security. He is our help in time of need. Okay, we also see that uh, the one who has accepted his testimony, John 33, has affirmed that God is true. Okay, God is true. God is truth is what this is. No, God cannot lie. Uh, God will always speak what is right. He will always speak what is true. And so you can take God at his word and know that what he's saying is true. Psalm 56, 9, uh, my enemies will retreat on the day when I call because God is for me. For those who are in relationship with God, we know that God has our backs. Uh, so God is our protector. Job 33, 12 says, but I tell you that you are uh, that God is greater than man, and uh, and so He is again showing the greatness of God. Second Samuel twenty two thirty three says, "God is my strong refuge." Again, showing how He is our protection. First John four eight says, "The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love." So it doesn't say that love is God, but God is love. He's personified in by His loving nature. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, Again, your God is a cons- uh, the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now this adds another dimension that uh, Peter did not add earlier, that, uh, that God is a jealous God. He is zealous over his people. Now that doesn't mean the same type of jealousy that we talk about on human standards. But God has a deep love for his people. He has a deep love for us, and he wants us to have that covenant relationship with him so that he can save us. Uh, because he has this compassion for humanity. 1 John 3.20 says that God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Uh, again, showing the greatness of God. And then Psalm 62.8 also says that trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him because God is our refuge. Selah. And uh, Psalm 33.12 says, Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Uh, and we see that God is the Lord. He is identified as Yahweh, the personal God shown in the Old Testament, revealed in the New Testament through Jesus. Uh, we see that uh, Psalm 48.3 says God is known as a stronghold in the citadel, so God is knowable. He's revealed himself to humanity. Psalm 144.15 says, Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Again, showing the fact that God is relatable to humanity, uh, and, and he does relate uh, to his people. Uh, God is a help. We see God is with us, First Chronicles 17.2. Uh, God is our helper. I mean, there are many more we could talk about. Psalm 54, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, God is faithful. 
Uh, Luke 21 tells us that God is near. He's ever-present. Uh, Galatians 3.20 says that God is one. There's only one God. Job 36.5 says God is mighty. Um, Romans 1.19 says that God has shown himself uh, to, to the people. God is a God of salvation, Psalm 68. Psalm 14, God is with those who are righteous. And of course, and we could go on and on, and of course we mentioned also 1 John 1.5 that God is light. Uh, he has no darkness in him whatsoever. God gives us this light, we see in, in Psalm 118.27. And uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And in Matthew's Gospel, he says, you are the light of the world, showing forth the fact that we can shine forth God's light in our lives. It doesn't originate with us. It comes from God. So these are some of the attributes we see of God. But what do we see about the, the if you were to stand before God, what can you expect to see? Well, in the throne room of heaven in, in Revelation 4, John writes that after this I looked, and there in heaven uh, was, a op- was an open door. The first voice that, that I had heard speaking to me was like a trumpet and said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven. Okay, so we see this throne. This throne is said to be the color of lapis lazuli. And we, we're going to see even in, um, if you, I had a video I posted on Facebook where we talk about this. Lapis lazuli stone is this deep, bl- beautiful blue color. And so from the throne of God, even from the innermost portion of God's throne, you see this lapis lazuli color that we learn about in Ezekiel. And from there, there, there are these colors emanating from within the throne of God. And so uh, the one... So a throne in heaven, someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper. Now, jasper can come in very different uh, colors. Jasper can come in a blue stone. And again, uh, Paige Patterson has uh, mentioned that he thinks that John may be referring to the diamond, uh, maybe like a a diamond. And, you know, in diamonds, when you shine it under light, diamonds, if they're authentic diamonds, they'll have this blue hue to them. Shining forth light, uh, you know, from from outside of it, absolutely. But it has this blue hue whenever you whenever you test it uh, under certain manners. So I'm thinking there's this blue color coming from the throne of God. We see the throne is is mentioned in Ezekiel as having the color of a lapis lazuli. The sea of glass underneath God's throne has this color of lapis lazuli as well. So I think this jasper is referring to a diamond-like blue color. And carnelian stone, uh, outside of this jasper color, you see this carnelian stone, which is a deep red. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. I think you see this rainbow encircling the throne all around. And a rainbow in its purest form will be circular. The only reason we don't see rainbow a rainbow in its circular form is because the earth blocks the latter half of the rainbow. So you see this rainbow full of color, and it has this hue of emerald, this, this greenish hue around the edges of it. Uh, and that may be symbolic, representing eternal life. But around the throne were 24 thrones, and thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads, possibly referencing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. That's a possibility. But we see coming from the throne of God, flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. This shows the power of God just emanating from His throne. 
It also shows the relatability of God to execute judgment from His throne by these flashes of lightning. Uh, we see sheer power here. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, representing, this is like a menorah, representing the Holy Spirit, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. This sea of glass represents the fact that God has has made peace with all things. In other words, anything that may be chaotic, anything that may be troubling, you know, seas are often... Uh, they often have waves, they're often tumultuous, but this sea before God's throne is absolutely peaceful, meaning that he has the power to bring peace for eternity. And then we see these four living creatures, which we won't get into those. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a message uh, through the book of, uh, not through the book, but on heaven itself, and we're going to talk about these things, a lot of these things, uh, through that uh, series of messages as well. But as we see this, we also compare this with Ezekiel's message. Um, Ezekiel, let's flip over there real quickly, bear with me for a second. <coughs> Ezekiel tells us he has a similar vision of God. And he says in his book, just about there, and a couple more pages, and we'll be there. He has a vision of God's glory in chapter 1, where he says, I looked, and there was a whirlwind coming from the north. Something about the north, pointing north. A huge cloud with fire flashing back and forth and a brilliant light all around it. In the center of the fire, there was a gleam like amber. Okay, this, this is the throne of God, you see, coming down to Ezekiel. Okay, this... Um, it's, it's, it, it looks almost like a storm coming at him uh, because of the sheer energy of God, the sheer power of God. Um, so, so you see a huge cloud of fire flashing back and forth and brilliant light all around it. In the center of the fire, there was a gleam like amber. The likeness of four living creatures came from it, and this was their appearance. They looked like they, had, they were human, but they had the face. But each of them had four faces and four wings. This is the cherubim. They are mighty creatures, and they are very bizarre looking. Uh, but their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the hooves of the calf, sparkling like the gleams of polished amber. Uh, they had... Um, uh, and it goes and talks about the living creatures and the likeness of the living creatures. Uh, fire was moving back between them. They, uh, they had the appearance of blazing coals of fire or like torches. Uh, fire was moving back and forth between the living creatures. It was bright with lightning come out, coming out of it. Um, and um, so this basically talks about the um, appearance of the angels. And we go over to verse 25. Disregard the clock, please. A voice came from above the expanse over their heads. This is where we go back because he's he goes through this long description of these awe-inspiring cherubim before God's throne. Wild-looking creatures, powerful creatures. Um, and then verse 25, a voice came from above the expanse over their heads. And by the way, people will ask, why, do God, why does God have these angels? They're sentinels. They're protectors. Not to protect God from other people, but to protect God, um, to protect people from the presence of God, because if they get too close, they'll be just just, just disintegrated, you know. Um, uh, so they they are also the ones who protect who protected the tree of life, you see, 
in uh, the Garden of Eden. But anyhow, a voice comes from above the expanse over their heads, and when they stopped, they lowered their wings. Something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli. Again, that's a bluish hue, a beautiful blue. Lapis lazuli was above the expanse over their heads. On the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. From what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber and what looked like fire enclosing it all around. From what seemed to be his waist down, I also saw what looked like fire. There was a brilliant light all around him. The appearance of the brilliant light all around was like the rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard a voice speaking. And the, the voice is of God is going to give Ezekiel instructions on what to do in his prophetic ministry. So what do we take from all of this? We see first and foremost, clock's going off all around, folks. <laughs> We see first and foremost, we see the attributes of God, that God is truth, that God is pure, that God is holy, God is sheer power. Jesus even tells us in uh, another reference we could have mentioned that God is, he says God is spirit. Okay, so God, spirit is personal power. It's not just a power in the sense that uh, it's, it's, it's an immaterial thing, but it's a power in the sense that it's personal, that it has a mind, will, and emotions, that it is a personalized power. And that's what we see with God, that he is absolutely sheer power. He being a consuming fire, he has the likeness of fire because he is sheer power. He is sheer power personified. And so whenever you were to, if you were to stand before the throne of God, you would see the, this greatest light that you could ever imagine in your life shining forth from the throne of God. It appears that in the innermost portion of God, nearest His presence, and perhaps coming from God, there may be this appearance of lapis lazuli, this bluish hue coming from within, and from all around Him, glowing without, would be this, um, from, from, from outside of that, would be this, this blazing fire uh, coming forth from His presence, uh, shining forth as He is sheer energy, sheer power, sheer, sheer um, truth. Uh, and, and you go back and look at all those personifications, those, those attributes that were given in Scripture. All of this describing this one powerful God. So no, he's not likened to Michelangelo's uh, portrait in the Sistine Chapel of this big, muscular, bearded man. He is sheer power. He is light. He is power. He is sheer energy. And friends, I'm telling you, that's why the Bible tells us that it would be a fearful thing to stand in the presence of God, especially if you don't have your sins atoned for uh, and you don't have a right relationship with Him. So take God seriously. He's not to be trifled with. God is sheer power. He is sheer glory. And if you were to stand in His presence, quite honestly, that's the reason why you couldn't, you can't see God. Because if you were to stand before His presence, His power will be too great for you, and you would basically disintegrate <laughs> before the awesome presence of God. But aren't you glad to know? Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that this God is a loving God that loves us with an everlasting love? And there's a God who has given His Son Jesus for us. Uh, as he himself came and took on flesh, uh, became one of us, so that he could bear our sins upon his back and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. 
He is actively pursuing us to show forth His grace, to show forth His mercy. Would you receive that grace and mercy that He so freely gives to you today? We hope that you will, friend. And so this has been Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. May God richly bless you. Receive His gift of salvation. Don't stand before His throne when your time comes with your sins unatoned for. Receive the salvation that Christ offers through the Holy Spirit today, and you'll be better for it. Well, again, this has been the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton saying God bless, and we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north, the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of bellatorchristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. Life. Liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career.